Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Wind and Willows by Kenneth Graham Chapter 3 The Wild Wood The mole had long wanted to make the acquaintance of the badger. He seemed by all accounts to be such an important personage, though thoroughly rarely visible, to make his unseen influence felt by everyone about the place. But whenever the mole mentioned his wish to the water rat, he always found himself put off. It's all right, the rat would say. Bad you turn up some day or whatever. He's always turning up. And then I'll introduce you, best of fellows. But you must not take him as you find him. But when you find him, couldn't you just ask him here for dinner or something? said the mole. He wouldn't come, replied the rat simply. Badger hates society and invitations and dinner and all that sort of thing. Well, then, supposing we go and call on him, suggested the mole. Oh, I'm sure he wouldn't like that at all, said the rat, quite alarmed. He was so very shy, he'd be sure to be offended. I never even ventured to call on him at his own house myself, though I had known him so well. Besides, he can't, uh, quite out of question, because he lives in the very middle of the wild wood. But supposing he does, said the mole. You told me the wild wood was all white, you know. Oh, I know, I know. So it is, replied the rat. Is evasively. I think we wouldn't. We won't go there just now. Not just yet. It's a long way. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be at home this time of year anyway. How? Yeah, time of year anyhow. He'd be coming along some day if you wait quietly. The mole had to be content with this. But the badger never came along, and every day brought its amusements. It was not until summer was long over, the cold and frost and miry air ways kept from much indoors. The swollen river raced past outside their windows, a range of speed that mocked the boating and his sort of kind. He found his faults dwelling again with much, much persistence on a solitary grey badger who lived his own life by himself in his home in the middle of the wild wood. In winter time, the rats slept a great deal, retiring early and raising late. During his short day, he sometimes scribbled poetry, but did other small domestic jobs about the house. Of course, there were always animal droppings in for, dropping in for a chat. Consequently, he was a good deal of storytelling, telling, and comparing notes of the past summer and all its doings. Such a rich chapter, chapter had been, and one came to look back at, on it all. Illustrations so numerous and so very highly coloured. The pageant of river bank are marched steadily along, unfolding itself in the scene pictures that succeeded each other in stately procession. Purple, loose strife, arrived early, shaking lustrant, tangled locks among the edge of the mirror, where its hip of old face laughed back at it, Willowed, herb tender, wistful, like a pink sunset cloud, 
but not slow to were not was not slow to follow. Comfrey, the purple hand in hand with the white, crept forth to make its place in the line mine. At last one morning the diff, diffident and lame dog rose stepped elegantly on the stage on one new, as if string music announced it, the stately calls that strayed in the Gadavati as strewn at last was here. One member of the company was still waited, a shepherd boy for the nymphs to boom, a knight for whom the ladies waited at the window, a prince that was to kiss the sleeping summer back to life and love, and when meadows sweet, debonair and not odious in an amber jerk, moved graciously to his place in the group, when the play would be ready to begin. And what a play it had been, drowsy animals snug, their holes would wind, while wind and rain were battering at their doors, recalled still keen mornings, an hour before sunrise, when the white mist as yet undispersed clung closely among the surface of the water. Then a shock of the early plunge, a scamp along the bank, a radiant transformation of earth, air, and water, and suddenly the sun was with them again. Grey was gold, and colour was born, sprang out the earth once more. They called the language Celeste of hot mid-day, deep in green undergrowth, the sun striking through its tiny shafts of spots and boating and bathing of the afternoon, and rambles along dusty lanes through yellow cornfields, a long cool evening at last, when so many friends were gathered up, so many friendships rounded, and so many adventures planned for the morrow. There was plenty to talk about on the, those short winter days when Emma's found herself round the fire. Still the mole had a good deal of spare time on his hands, and so one afternoon had wrapped his armchair before the blaze was alternately dozing and trying other rhymes that wouldn't fit. He formed a revolution to go out by himself, explore the wild wood, and perhaps strike up acquaintance with Mr. Badger. It was cold, still afternoon, with a hard, steely sky overhead. They slipped out of the warm parlour into the open air. The country lay bare and entirely leafless. Around him, he thought he'd never seen so far, so intimately into the inside of things, as on that winter day when nature was deep, their annual slumber, and seemed to have kicked the clothes off. Corpses, dwells, quarries, and all hidden places which have been, been mysterious mines for explanation of leafy summer now expose itself to their secrets perfectly and seemed to ask him to overlook the shadow of poverty for a while so they could rot, fight in such an enraged masquerade as before and trick him and entice him the old decept- with the old deceptions. It was pitiful in a way, it cheering, he was exhilarating. He was glad he, could, he had liked the country, undecorated hard and stripped to its finery. He had gone down to the bare bones of it, and they were they were fine, strong and simple. He did not want the warm glover, cover, a play of seeding grasses. Seeds of the quickest, the bellowing draped in a beech and elmed. Seemed best away. With great cheerfulness, a spirit he pushed on onwards, and wild wood, 
which lay before him low and threatening like a black reef, and still so solemn the scene. There was nothing to alarm him at first entering. Twigs crackled under his feet, logs tripped at him, funguses on stumps resembled caricatures. I started him for the moment by likeness to something familiar and far away. And that was all fun and exciting. Led him on. He penetrated to where the light was less. The trees crouched nearer and nearer. Holes made ugly mouths at him on either side. Everything was was very still low. Everything was very still now. The dusk of advance on him steadily rapidly. Gathering in behind and four, the light seemed to be draining away like the flood water. Then the faces began. It was over his shoulder, distinctly that he first thought he saw a face, a little evil, wedge-shaped face, looked at him from a hole. Then he turned and confronted it. The thing had vanished. It quickened his pace, telling himself cheerfully not to begin imagining things, or there'd be, there would be simply no end of it. Passed another hole and another, and another, and then, yes, no, yes, suddenly a little narrow face, hard eyes, had flashed up for an instant from a hole and was gone, hesitated, raised himself, raised himself for an effort and strode on. And suddenly, he'd been so all the time, every hole far and near, there were hundreds of them, seemed to possess its face, coming and going rapidly, all fixing on him, glances of malice and hatred, all hard-eyed and evil sharp. Could only get away from the holes and banks. He thought there'd be no more faces. Swung off the path, plunged in the untrodden places of the wood. Then the whistling again. Very faint and shrill it was, far behind him. When first he heard it, but somehow it made him hurry forward. Then, still very faint and shrill, he sounded far ahead of him and made him hesitate, wanted to go back. He halted in indecision. He broke out on either side. I seemed to be, to be caught up and passed on throughout the whole length of the wood to its furthest limit. They were up and alert and already evidently, whatever they were, and he was alone and armed and far from any help. The night was closed in. Then the pattering began. He thought it was only falling leaves. At first, so, so slight, delicate was the sound of it. Then, as he grew, took a regular rhythm. He knew it was nothing else but pit, pit, pat, the fate still a very long way off. Was it in front or behind? Seemed to be first one, then the other, then both. It grew and it multiplied till, from every quarter, as he listened anxiously, leaning this way and that, it seemed to be closing in on him. As he stood still to hearken, a rabbit came running hard towards him. Through the trees, he waited, expecting to into slackened pace, or to swerve him, or to swerve him into a different direction, different course. Instead, the animal almost brushed him on its dash past his face, set and hard his eyes, not staring. Get out of this, you fool, get out! Malta heard him mutter as he swung round a stump, disappeared down a friendly barrel. Padding increased till it sounded like a sudden hole, hell on a dry leaf carpet spread around him. The whole wood seemed 
running now, running hard, hunting, chasing, going around, something or somebody. The panic began to run too, aimlessly, he knew not whither. He ran up against things, fell over things, into things, dodged over things, under things, dodged round things. At last he took refuge in a deep black hollow of an old beech tree, which offered shelter, concealment. Perhaps he was safely. Who could tell? Anyhow, he was too tired to run any further. He could only snuggle down into dry leaves, which had drifted into the hollow. I hope he's safe for time. As he lay there panting and trembling, listened to whistlings and patterings outside. Knew at last is all its fullness, that dread thing which ev- which other little dwellers in the field, hedgerow, had encountered here. And known the dark in the, as the, at the darkest moment, the thing which Rat had vainly tried to shelter him from, the terror of the woodman, wild wood. Meanwhile, a tiny rat, warm and comfortable, dozed by the fireside. Paper of half-finished verses slipped from his knee. His head fell back, his mouth open. He wandered by the vermin banks of dream rivers. Then a cold slipped, fire cracked, and set up a spurt of flame. He woke with a start, remembering what he had been gazed upon. He reached down to the floor for his verses, poured over them for a minute, then... Looked around for the mole to ask him if he knew a good rhyme or something or the other. But Mole was not there. He listened for a time. House seemed very quiet. Then he called Molly several times and received no answer. Got up and went out into the hall. Mole's cap was missing from its custom peg. His glasses, which were always laid on the umbrella stand, were also gone. Rat left the house, covered his in a muddy surface of ground and upside, hoping. Find the most tracks. There they were, sure enough. Lotties were new, just brought for this winter. The pimples on their soles were fresh and sharp. You see the imprints on them, the mud running along straight and possible. They didn't direct to the wild wood. The rat looked very grave and stood in a deep fault a minute or two. Then he entered the warehouse, strapped the belt round his waist, shoved a race of bristles into it. Took up a stout cauldron and turned, stood in the corner of the harp. Set and stood in the corner of the hall. Set off for the world at a smart pace. When he came towards dusk, when he reached the first fringe of the trees, plunged without hesitation into the wood, looking anxiously either side for any sign of his friend. Here and there, wicked little faces popped out of the holes, and vanished immediately. The sight of valorous animals, pistols. And a great ugly cordial, his grass, the whistling and pattering, which he had heard quite plainly. His first treachery died away and ceased. All was very still. He made his way manfully through the length of the wood to its furthest edge, then, forsaking all paths, he set himself to traverse it, laboriously, walking over the whole ground, all the time calling out cheerfully, Molly, Molly, where are you? It's me, it's old rat. He had patiently hunted through the wood for an hour or more, when at last his joy he heard a little whistle answering cry, guiding himself by the sound, made his way through the cadavering darkness to the foot of the old beech tree, a hole in it, and from out of the hole came a feeble voice saying, Ray, is that you, really you? The rat crept 
I don't know where he's found, but my exhausted, still trembling. Oh, right, you cried. But it's so frightened. Can I can't you can't think? Oh, I quite understand, said the rat, soberly. You shouldn't really have gone and done it. Well, I did my best to keep you from it. We river bankers, we hardly ever come here ourselves. We have to come. We come in couples at least. We journey then we journey all right. Besides, there are a hundred things one has to know which we understand which we understand all about. You don't as yet. I mean passwords and signs and sayings which have power and effect and parts that can you can carry in your pocket and verses you repeat and dodges and tricks you practice all simple enough when you know them. Oh them that you've got to be known is small or you'll find yourself in trouble. Of course, if you were Banjo or Otter, it would be quite another matter. Surely the brave Mr Foe will find my coming here by himself, would he? Quite a moment. Oh, Toad, said the rat, laughingly, laughing heartily. He wouldn't show his face here alone, not for a whole hatful of golden blues. Toad wouldn't. The mole was cheerfully cheered by the sound of the rat's cheerless, careless laughter, as well as by the sight of his, of his stick, the dreaming pistols. He stopped shivering and began to feel bolder and more himself again. Now then, said Rat presently, we really must pull ourselves together, make a start of our own. Well, there's still a little bite left. It will never do to spend a night here, you know, understand. Too cold for one thing. Dear Ratty, said the mole, poor mole, I am dreadfully sorry, but I am simply dead beat, and that's a solid fact. You must let me rest here a little while longer. I get my strength back if I know, if I don't know to get home at all. Oh, all right. Said a good-natured rat. Rest anyway, it's pretty near pitch dark now anyway. Anyhow, it ought to be a bit of moon later. So the mole got up. Well, he the dry leaves and stretched himself up, pretty dropped off into sleep. For a broken, troubled salt. But the rat covered himself to best he might for warmth and lay patiently waiting for the pistol with a pistol in his paw. But at last mole woke up, such a threat, much refreshed. Use your spirits, rat said. Now then, all right, I'll just take a little look outside and see if it's quiet. Then we really must be off. He went to the entrance. Oh, they retreat and put out his head out. Then the mole heard him saying quite himself, Hello there, here's a go. What's up, rat? said Osmond. Snow is up, replied Rat briefly. Oh, rather down. It's something hard. The mole came and crouched beside him. And looking out, saw the wood. Had been as dreadful to him in quite a strange, to him in a quite a strange aspect. Holes, hollows, pools, pitfalls, and other black menaces to the wayfarer vanishing fast, and gleaming carpet fairy was springing out everywhere. It looked too delicate to be trodden upon by rough feet. A fine power filled the air, a crest on cheek with a tingle in its touch. The black hulk boughs of the trees showed up in the light that seemed to come from below. Well, well, it can't be helped, said the rat, after pondering. We must have to, we're out more, we have to make a start. I'll take our chance. I suppose the worst of it, I don't really, I don't exactly know where we are. And now this snow makes everything look so very different. It did indeed. Mel would never have known. That it was the same wood, however, set up bravely and took the line, seemed most promising. 
holding on each other and pretending visible cheerfulness that they recognized an old friend. Every fresh tree they, they grimly slightly greeted him. I saw another opening grapes, gaps of paths between a turn in them. The monotonary of white space and black tree trunks refused to vary. I heard later they had lost all count of time. He pulled up dispirited, weary, and hopelessly. I see and sat down and fallen tree trunk, bit of cover their breath and consider what was to be done. They were aching with fatigue and bruised with tumbles. They had fallen into several holes, got wet through, the snow was getting so deep they could hardly drag their little legs through it. The trees were thicker and more like each other than ever. It seemed to be no end of this wood, no beginning, no difference in it. And worst of all, no way out. It can't just sit here very can't sit here very long, said Rack. We shall have to make another push for it. We do it something or other. The cold is too awful for anything. The snow will soon be too deep for us to wade through. Peered about him. And considered, look here, he went on. This is what occurs to me. There's a sort of dell down there in the front of us, where the ground seems all illy and umpy and ecumacky. We'll make our way down into that, trying to find some sort of shelter. Hard cave and old, dry old floor to it. Out to the snow and the wind. There'll be, we have, we have a good rest before we try again. We're both, it was pretty dead beat. Besides, the snow may leave off, or something may turn up. So more, once more, they got to their feet and struggled down the dirt of the well. Where they hunted about for a cave, for some, for some corner, to dry with protection from the keen wind and wearing snow, investigating one of the hillock bits that had spoken of. And suddenly Mole tripped up, fell forward in his face with a squeal. Oh, my leg, he cried. Oh, my poor shin. He went up to the side of the snow, nursed his leg in both his paws. Front, both his front paws. Poor old mole, said Crack kindly. You don't seem to be having such luck on the day, do you? Let's have a look at your leg. Yes, he went on, coming down on the knees to look. You'll cut your skin, shin, sure enough. Wait till I get you an handkerchief. I'll tie it up for you. I must have tripped over the hidden branch on the stump, said Mole Risby. Oh my, oh my. It's very clean cut, said the rat, explaining it again attentively. You're never made done by a stump branch or stump. Those of you made by a sharp edge or something metal. Funny, pointed a lot while examining the butt humps and slopes that surrounded them. Well, never mind with that. That done it. To the mole, forgetting his grandma in pain. Yeah, you know, you never mind that, what's done it. That's what's done it, said Mole, getting his grumbling in pain. It hurts the same, whatever it, whatever done it. A rat, after carefully trying up the leg, handkerchief, left him as busy scraping in the snow. He scratched and shoveled and explored, all four legs working busily. A mole waited patiently, remarking at intervals, Oh, come on, rat. Suddenly the rat cried, Hurrah! Then, Hurrah! Hurrah! And felt it scoop, executing a feeble jig in the snow. Well, you found rat, he said. Asked Mole, doing this leg. Come and see, said Lighty Rat as he jigged on. Mole, Mole hobbled up to spot and had a good look. Well, he said that last scene slowly. I see right enough. See the same sort of thing before, lots of times. Big object, I call it. Door scraper. Well, what of it? 
<coughs> Why darts jigs around a door scraper? You don't see, you don't want to see what it really means, do it? Means, you dull-winded animal, cried the rat impatiently. Of course I see what it means, replied the mole. Means, it means there's some very careless, careful person who left his door scraper lying about in the middle of the wild just where it's sure to be tripping everyone up. Very thoughtless of them, I call it. When I get home, I shall go and complain about it to someone or another. See if I don't. Oh dear, oh dear, cried the mark rat, bearing his obtrusiveness. Here, stop arguing and come and scrape. And let he set off work again and made the snow fly all directions round him. After some further toil, toil, his efforts were rewarded. Very shabby doormat lay its boats of you. That's what I'd. There, there, what did I tell you? exclaimed a rat with great triumph. I see nothing whatsoever, replied the mole. Perfect truthfulness. Well, now, he went on. You seem to have found another piece of rested litter. Done, done for the thrown away, I suppose. You're perfectly happy. Better go on ahead and dance your jig. Round, you've go, got to. And get it over. And then perhaps we can go on, not waste any more time. Over rubbish heaps. Can we eat the doormat? Or sleep on the real doormat? Or sit on the doormat and sledge? Home under, under, over the snow on it? Yes, that's pretty rodent. Do you mean to say, replied cried your sight rat, is that this doormat doesn't tell you anything? Really, rat, said the mole, quite previously, I think we'd enough of this folly. Whatever you heard of the doormat telling anyone anything, they me we don't they simply don't do it. They're not that sort of they're not that sort of old doormats know their place. Now look here, you you, you thick any beast, cried the rat, really angry. This must stop. Not another word. Not scrape. Not scrap. Scrape and scratch and dig and hunt around, especially on the sides of the hammocks. You want to stay drying warm tonight? It's our last chance. The rat attacked a small bank beside them, rather, pubbing with his cudgel everywhere. They're digging with fury, and Mole scraped busily too, while Mole to oblige the rat than any other reason. His opinion was his friend for getting light-headed. At ten minutes of hard work, the point of rope's cordial struck something that sounded hollow. It worked till he could find a could till he could get a pull through and feel. Then came Mole to come and help him. Hard as it would it went, the two animals till last the result of their labours stood full in view of the astonished and incredulous mole. Inside of what seemed to be a snow bank stood a solid-looking little door, painted and growing dark green. Irondale boiled pull, how much side below. On it, a small brass plate, neatly engraved in square capital letters. They could find, they could read by the eye of the moonlight, Mr. Badger. Merle fell backwards in the snow from the sheer surprise of light. Rat, he cried in penitence. You're a wonder, a real wonder, that's what you are. I see it all now. You argued it out, step by step. Is that wise head of yours from your very moment I fell and cut my shin? You looked at the cut, and once over, majestic mind said to itself, door scraper. Then you turned it and found a very door scraper. I did it, done it. Do you st- but did you stop there? No, some people would have been quite satisfied. But you, intelligent intellect, went on to working. Let me only, let me only just find a doormat. 
says you to yourself. My theory is proved, and of course you found your doormat. You're so clever, I believe you. You can find anything you like. Now, says you, the door exists as plain as if I see it. Nothing else remains to be done but to find it. Well, I read about that sort of thing in books, but I never come across it before in real life. You ought to go where well, you'll be properly appreciated. You're simply wasted here among the masked fellows. If only, had, if only I had your head, Bratty. But as, as you haven't, interrupted Brat, quite rather concurrently, I suppose you go and sit on the snow all night and talk. Get on a, up at once and hang on to that hard bell pull. You see, there, and bring hard as hard as you can while I am a. Mother Rat attacked the door with his stick. Mole sprang up at the bell pill, pull. Clutched it swung there, both feet well off the ground, and from being a quite long way off, they could faintly hear a deep toned bell respond. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.